Geek Top 5 Quarantine Edition. Yay! There was time now. There was was all the time I needed. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we are recording this just hours away from the release of a video game I really want to be playing instead of recording this podcast. (laughs) No, not really. It's that this is actually a blast. But yes, this is as we're recording this. So by the time you're hearing it already out is the PS5 upgrade to Final Fantasy VII Remake, or it's becoming Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrade. We have discussed Square Enix and their redonkulous video game titles before, uh, but it's more Final Fantasy VII content, Final Fantasy being one one of the most popular video game franchises in the world and seven certainly its largest most lucrative the final fantasy seven sort of cinematic universe uh spans a half dozen games now and a, there's a whole bunch of more stuff and now we're getting more of it uh so in the i guess the theme of that in the spirit of that release we're gonna spend this episode talking about final fantasy but uh i can't do that which is grim certainly not no, Graham is uh Graham has other interests, more hockey oriented. <laughs> yeah, when's Final Fantasy hockey coming out? I mean, like you want to talk about Blitzball and FF10. We maybe No? Okay. All right. Fine. <laughs> See, this is what I mean. This is why we needed to bring in a special guest. Graham, what's go We're not alone here today. What's going on? Yeah, you may know him as the Oracle of the Super Nintendo Classic, who predicted so many of the games before they were even announced. Uh, He's also the king of the food simulator game. Who better to turn to for this JRPG list than Mr. Shaggy Shanahan? I I want that uh, Super Nintendo thing to be brought up anytime I'm in your company, because I'm I'm oddly proud of it, and I'm glad you brought it up this time, too. You predicted that an unfinished game that barely exists would be on that console, and it was. And I am convinced it's only on the console because you invoked it. Just willed it, willed it into existence. Absolutely. Like you're like Booster Gold, uh, but except, you know, in real life. You've come back in time with this knowledge of the future, and you use it for the worst possible things. <laughs> Just predicting useless gaming facts on podcasts. If, if it helps one person, I'm happy, but I don't think it did anyone. <laughs> well, it did lead to Graham and I standing out in the dark outside of Toys R Us at three in the morning to pick up those Super Nintendo classics. So. Did you both get one? It, uh, I got one, but I gave it as a gift to a friend. Uh, I got okay. one, and I gave it to myself as a gift. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually seen one in, in the wilds. I've never, because those, those disappeared fast, like both the uh, original NES one and uh, yeah, they're They're cute. Yeah, yeah. I still play it. Oh, that's nice. In any case, speaking of useless video game <laughs> facts, <laughs> Shaggy, what do you got for us today? Well, it, it's an odd thing, and I actually did not make the connection that a new Final Fantasy release is coming out, what, tomorrow at the time of recording this? <laughs> uh, it's, it is technically, what, four hours away, and I might be playing it then. So. Okay. So now, I, now we see uh, Graham's haste. We're like all week. It's just like we we gotta do Final Fantasy right now. Do Final Fantasy? Do you want to do Final Fantasy? I'm like, why? Okay, what? I, uh. Sorry, so he, sorry. I didn't know what the pressure was on. Jeez. But here I am, uh, here here to talk to uh, you and your listeners all about apparently uh, the top five Final Fantasy games of all time. Is that, is that so- the proper title? I think so, yeah. So Ooh. this is a, a franchise that dates back to 1987 and is possibly one of the like 
most consistent video game franchises ever. There's 15 official titles in it and a bunch of spinoffs. It's it's crazy how deep this franchise is. I think three the movies they, in addition to right? those games. Like it's right, at, at least one and anime and comics, yeah, toys, uh, restaurants. Uh, I could go on. Restaurants? <laughs> yeah, man. There's there's two or three fully functioning restaurants in the Tokyo area. There's Artnia. Oh God. There's uh, the one that's based on uh, 14, the online one. And then there's another one, which I forget the name of it. <laughs> but you can get They're like a little, amazing. Uh, you get a little Buster Sword parfait with a chocolate Buster Sword sticking out of it. It's adorable. Oh my god! I, I got the keychain right here. I'm poking it. <laughs> I gotta get that cupcake. I don't. I don't know. Like that has suddenly become my primary motivation for living. I go. I go Tokyo, man. That's Whatever it takes. <laughs> So, so this is like what? What else rivals it? Maybe just Mario? Is there anything else that can, even compares to the length and depth and breadth that, as far as video games go? Uh yeah, yeah. The, the length of it is tricky because it's like it is a long running series. Mario is kind of hard to gauge because Mario was just kind of a consistent character showing up throughout like all of Nintendo history. Like Mario Golf wasn't actually like Mario Golf was just golf with a mustache guy. I was like, oh, I guess it's <laughs> Mario. The referee in Punch Out is Mario, but he's not really like pointed out. So Mario as a character maybe existed longer, but Final Fantasy as like a locked lore and like you know, model for the rest of a series has been around for quite a bit longer. But I think you actually had the dates. I don't. <laughs> and, and just for like a, a noob for Final Fantasy, like I am, there's my understanding is there's there's no continuity going from one game to the next. Is that mostly it's, true? That's it's mostly big. true in the main titles, right? Yeah, it's like I, I feel like Jesse will probably have a better understanding of this, but um, from my end of it, it's more like concepts and like uh, not 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 design per se, but like characters and archetypes are kind of like re. In a way, it's almost like stories being retold, like through history, kind of like how people debate like the Legend of Zelda series is just one story being retold again and again. It's like constant themes pop up, like you know, uh, chocobos and uh, mogs and moogles, and it's like. But the the guys around it's different every time. It's like, well, in this reality, it's a motorcycle and a spiky hair. And in this one, there's magic. You know, but there's always kind of consistencies throughout it to be like, ah, Gil is money. Cool. Okay. It's, I'd say the, like, the themes, like when you, a Final Fantasy game tells you that it's going to be a story-driven sort of tactical or strategic experience and that there are and the themes of like the hero's journey, you know, like heroism and triumph over black and white, like good and evil, that that sort of thing, like fantastic all the time. But the settings, like some of the settings are extremely sci-fi. Some are very classic swords and sorcery. Yeah, it is interesting, though. A lot of the early ones, too, like still kind of went sci-fi, like at, at a certain point, right? Because you start off, it's like we're riding big birds and there's magic and stuff and then all of a sudden there's like tech and robots you're like well where did this come from in my fantasy but it's like they always kind of kept doing that didn't they well yeah the 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 original final fantasy the first game the big twist at the end is that your characters are caught in a time loop which is a very sci-fi concept like the whole game is very grounded in you know like some tolkien sort of gary gygax style like swords and axes and fireballs but then, like at the last dungeon, they like do this whole time travel story that turns out has been happening without your characters noticing. Like it's, they're always playing with interesting ideas, and so the, again, the worlds are very fantastic. But when I use the world, the word in this case, I mean 
like it's they're they're doing a unique twist like you never see a final fantasy game that takes place just in you know a town in Mm. a landscape there's always some crazy stuff going on now Is that, that's your question, Graham. <laughs> it, it sure did. So, Shaggy, for your list, just to set out some a framework for this a bit before we get started, did you focus just on the main series, or on uh, did you include as far as uh, we, the games you considered? Did you include stuff outside the main series as well? Well, I'm happy you asked, Graham, uh, <laughs> because I feel this is as as I kind of conveyed to you in our uh, panicked texts back and forth throughout the week. <laughs> Uh, I, I feel this is going to be a rather divisive list uh, for your listeners, uh, for fans of Final Fantasy alike. Uh, partly because, you know, despite all uh, everything we just talked about and how you know, kind I sounded about it, I generally don't enjoy turn-based combat as like a mechanic. <laughs> and that's, that's a problem kind of, for a lot of Final Fantasy games. <laughs> and that's kind of been one through eight, nine, ten, eleven. Like they're loosening up now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like you know you're you're on an adventure and all of a sudden bzz, the map zooms in dun, 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 you're fighting the same rabbit again and you just want to get it over with it's like it's never been my cup of tea as much as like i as much as i wanted to enjoy you know final fantasy because there are a lot of things i do like about it uh so because of that fact you know i i, I gotta give out this disclaimer just kind of brace <laughs> you all brace the audience so you know I, I'm not. I'm not going to be talking about like Final Fantasy One. You know, I, I know it's the first. You know, and, and I know there's the great urban legend that's like you know, a small game developer in the '80s called SquareSoft was like, you know, we've we've got no more money. We can only make one more game. This is our last chance to make a game, a last game in a fantastical setting, a last fantastical game, if you will. But what should we call it? And the rest is history. I, and I respect that, but I never played it, so uh, we're not talking about Final Fantasy One. Uh, okay. and, and similarly, uh, we're not going to talk about Final Fantasy II, the much lauded follow-up. Uh, it expanded upon the original, but I just never came across the table for me. you know. And it may surprise you, but I'm not even going to talk about Final Fantasy III, uh, especially because we never even originally got it here in the West on the NES, because instead they repackaged Final Fantasy VI as three for the Super Nintendo. So that's just a whole bunch of confusion I didn't want to get involved in. You know? Some deep, deep cuts here. Yeah, well, speaking of which, like, I, I won't even be going into, like, Final Fantasy 4 or 5, and I don't even have an entertaining reason why. It's fun to you. <laughs> <laughs> and as much as it's going to pain the listeners to hear this, uh, but no, I, I won't be talking about Final Fantasy 6 either, The you know, and according to the true fans, it is the best one. You know, Kefka, hey. right, train, train suplexes, the opera, oh, the way people talk about the opera, you know, they're like, nothing can come close to touching Final Fantasy VI, and that's true. I've never touched it, never got around to it. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk about that. Now, this is where things I, get interesting. Very interesting. I have heard so. that opera live, by the way. Just to add to our list of <laughs> oh Final Fantasy God. media, I have been in like in a live audience with an actual opera where they play that opera from FF6. It was and wild. I, and I'm sure people teared up, too, because like, I'm sure it was beautiful. It was lovely. I wouldn't know. <laughs> what I What I do know about, though, I could talk about Final Fantasy VII. However, there's a problem. It's a big problem. So Final Fantasy VII was a lot of people's introduction to Final Fantasy, like by the sounds of it, me included. So a lot of us look back fondly upon it. But that means, according to internet law, it's automatically overrated because too many people like it. 
and enjoy it. <laughs> and you can't have a credible video game ranking list with stuff people like on it. It doesn't work that way. So unfortunately, I had to cut it from my list. No Final Fantasy VII. Oh, cool. uh, controversial. Now, this is, yeah, I said it's going to be divisive, but this is where we're getting the nitty gritty. So Final Fantasy VIII, you know, we all love that ballroom scene. Graham, you love that ballroom scene in Final oh, Fantasy VIII. Man, remember. I, just, I, I feel like I was in a backless dress playing it just the other day. <laughs> but as much as we loved it, no one liked the GF system. And no one's going to listen to me talking about Triple Triad for an hour. What's so, a GF uh, system? Exactly. System? So we're not talking about that. Okay. We're not talking about it at all. And nine. Oh, nine. So people, everyone's like, a true return to form for the series. So, of course, I skipped it because I had nothing to return to. I never played the original series, so <laughs> I had to cut that. Now, here's where it gets interesting again. So Final Fantasy X, we're moving on to the PlayStation 2 now. You know, it's a new era, new graphics. I didn't follow along, never got around to playing it, so I'm not going to talk about X. But eleven, eleven was the first MMO, the online one. Massive multiplayer online RPG. And while I did have the PS2 network adapter... <gasps> Who could afford to pay a subscription back in 2002? Not me. <laughs> Didn't have that kind of money for that 12 whatever a month Canadian. Now, Final Fantasy 12 is an interesting one. Is it a prequel, a sequel, spiritual successor to Vagrant Story? What's uh, Vagrant Story? Exactly. I couldn't play that either because it's a very rare and expensive game. So get out of here. I didn't, I didn't touch Final Fantasy 12. <laughs> or 13. There's too many of them. There's like three of them now. Forget that. Now, 14. 13. 14. Oh, if, if uh, listeners joined us last time for the, the food, uh, the crafting systems, you know my feelings about Final Fantasy 14. It was the top of the list last time. Feels unfair to do that again this time. So we're not going to talk about Final Fantasy 14, but 15. Yes, it had the unlockable cup noodle branded hat. And you know how much I love ramen. And yes, I had it downloaded on the Xbox Game Pass for months. I just never found the time to play it. <laughs> so at this point... You guys and the listeners alike are probably wondering why you asked me to be on this Final Fantasy episode <laughs> of Geek Top 5. I'm wondering that too myself, but I made you guys a list of all the Final Fantasy games that I've played. Kicking off with number 5, Chocobo Racing for the PS1. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you know, that it, was genuinely a fun game. Hey, as, it was, as it said on the back of the jewel case, floor it or get out of the way. It was also a very entertaining list of things that aren't going to be on this list. I want to set expectations <laughs> as early as possible. because People are like, come on, six. I'm rolling on six. <laughs> okay, so can someone explain to me what a chocobo is? Oh, boy. Jesse? Uh, so in Final Fantasy, they don't have horses. Like I said, the world is fantastic. Um, it's but they need some like some kind of a mount animal. So in Final Fantasy, that is the chocobo. So take a take take a like a yellow bird, like think something like like a chickadee or something, and blow it up to the size of a horse. Um, and it's roughly equivalent in terms of like throw a saddle on it, ride it around, uh, bring it into battle. Well, yeah, and then there's like a whole like Final Fantasy VII had that whole kind of awkward like chocobo breeding thing, and then like. So Pit Final Fantasy Seven, yeah, had all these like mini games and arcade games, and it had a full-on racing mode that you could invest a lot of time into trying to unlock and breed the best chocobo, gold the, chocobo, and stuff like the that. The way like people would you know breed racing horses. Mm. Uh huh. And how explicit was it? I mean, <laughs> in as much as what, Graham? 
<laughs> well, I mean, how involved you were in the process you made, or <laughs> I'm just like, how how much detail did it go into in this breeding process? It was like you were trying to train Chocobo up until they were good racers, and then breed them with other good racers and breed for specific qualities, and then like by then like the child would inherit qualities, hopefully from both parents, but dominant. So there's a whole thing about which gen to get, and the whole thing is you're trying to breed specific colored chocobos. So most of them are yellow, but you could breed like with a little effort, you could breed you know the blue one who could run over water, like it was the chocobo messiah or something, etc. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, because it wasn't just the races. You can also, like, take them out into the world and, like, use them to find materia that was, like, hard to get and stuff. Yeah, just to travel over the overworld faster, right? Exactly <laughs> what you would use a horse for in real life. Yeah. Uh, long story so, short, big birds that are horses. And so, and they're in, like, every game. More or less. And so even, like, the ones with motorcycles and, and cars, you can still ride around a chocobo? Sure. Yeah. Like, cool. <laughs> All right. All right. cool, cool, cool. Again, talking we about like motorcycles and cars now, but we also have horses. And everyone's riding them, Graham. <laughs> yeah, you got me there, guys. <laughs> We're all hoisted on my own petard on that one. How do you I think mean, I got home today? It. We live in Toronto where we have mounted police, like on horses. It's like they're, they're not the majority of the OPB, but they are there. <laughs> right. But you also just a random guy can't just like hop on a horse and ride through town. Have you tried? I haven't. All right. Let's, well, let's pause the recording. <laughs> <laughs> in anyway, a little bit in the uh, yeah, a little bit in the weeds here, a little bit in the Geishel Greens. Tell us about <laughs> Chocobo <laughs> Racing. So Chocobo Racing, so you know, shortly after the success of both the uh, Final Fantasy VII and VIII, uh, the PlayStation was sorely lacking a quality Mario Kart style kart racing game. So who better to stand up and give us this hot mess in the year <laughs> May 1999? Square Enix, well, they weren't Enix at the time, Squaresoft with Chocobo Racing. And unlike everything we just said about the breeding and the horse style things, this was your like mascot kart racing game. This this had like all your all your favorite nondescript uh, characters to start off with. Uh, actually, I actually have a bit of a list here. Uh, things like, you know, uh, Cactar and Sid's Tank and all these other kind of like random like little creatures and goblins and mages, magicians. Chubby Chocobo apparently was one of them too. Uh, and our main lead Chocobo, which uh, technically came from the Chocobo Dungeon series, which is another spinoff, uh, which was kind of like a, I guess you keep like wandering through progressively built dungeons. But he's wearing uh, roller skates. He's not even running like a Chocobo does. So this was like a kart racer through and through. Um, and some of the features on the back of the box, if it would interest you to see, uh, you can control eight unique vehicles and select from magical abilities like Dash or Barrier. You can use offensive magic such as fireballs and thunder to stop opponents. So again, this is Mario Kart with just, you know, Final yeah. Fantasy guys over it. Race head-to-head in versus in rally modes, a total of five different modes. But most interesting, unlock hidden characters and tracks. And this is where things get wild. Because they bring in all our favorite characters, including there was a, you can unlock Cloud on his motorcycle from Final oh. Fantasy 7. You can unlock Squall in his blue car, which I... Imagine he had at some point in Final Fantasy VIII. Or most Briefly, randomly. yes. <laughs> most randomly, Aya Bree from Parasite Eve. Oh, I do Eve. remember this. But oh, it wasn't yeah, like her was in a, a go-kart. It's just like a cop car driving around this fantastical Final Fantasy land. But that was just an interesting pull from uh, the, the only, I guess, survival horror-ish RPG that Square made, as far as I'm aware. 
Yeah, like, a, a, like sort of a horror cop thing. It was... Yeah, yeah. They, they, they had a character that they had the rights for. They decided to drop her in, but that was a weird one. Yeah, <laughs> and Parasite Eve on its own. Uh, there, there's a huge fan base for that game too, uh, so check that out if you get a chance. Um, and I, I guess unfortunately, like the game itself isn't like the highest quality kart racing game because only like a few months later in October, Crash Team Racing came out, and it's still considered like to be one of the best, if not like second best, to Mario Kart or I guess Diddy Kong Racing kart racing games so chocobo racing i guess kind of got forgotten about largely but hey it's a final fantasy <laughs> it's <laughs> interesting how many like after the success of mario kart how many franchises had to do their own kart games like there's uh, a, a garfield kart game yeah oh, it's well, such even- a winning formula like it's like the the party battle racer i just it's like easy to pick up hard to master it everyone has fun like to this day, like that is the party game for video gamers. But why is it always carts? So you can see the characters because because um, if they're in a full car, it's just like you know the windows are up. You can't see Garfield or what he's up to. You know <laughs> that is you, actually a really good answer. I was not expecting an answer that <laughs> I just, good. <laughs> I just made it up because I, I thought logically, like otherwise he'd have to roll down the window to drop a turtle shell or a banana peel or whatever, and then like you just see his arm. <laughs> but with the cart, you get to do like Waluigi doing a backflip off it while he's going off a ramp. You're like, ah, oh, clearly that's Waluigi enjoying the race. So it's it's more it, for the animators. It's definitely more active to be in a cart than a car. All right, okay. And uh, so, uh, was there ever a sequel? Is this a one off? There was there was one announced at some point. I think for for probably for 3ds at that point actually but it got canceled way like really early would you would you like to see a sequel shaggy a modern take on it it's interesting an interesting question Uh, (laughs) (laughs) because like after mario kart 8 what more needs to be said like that's just the penultimate of all kart racing games i feel i enjoy it so much and it's it's just like the nature of you know, Mortal Kombat had a car racing game. Rograd's had a car racing game. And it's like, if it's not their like kind of mainline kind of focus franchise, it's there's never like as much effort into it as it could be, I guess. Okay. And so it, it's always kind of like a fun gimmick, but I don't think Square would like put a lot of effort into like a sequel. It'd, it'd be like a good project to, once again, to get more realistic. If like a, a new up and coming lead programmer and they want to like test them out and it's like, here's Chocobo Racing 2. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Make it amazing, sell a million copies. <laughs> yeah, you look at what they're doing with Smash Brothers and stuff. I mean, I expect probably far more likely that you know, like maybe the Chocobo or some Final Fantasy characters will appear on the next Mario Kart game rather than them. Like it's just it's so hard to compete. You know, yeah. they they have that whole genre on a lock. And even like Crash re-released a remake or whatever, didn't they? Like Crash Team Racing, or was it just a sequel? I can't remember. Nitro it, again, it, yeah, you can't remember because it doesn't matter because <laughs> the only kart games that people have been playing for a while have been the like Mario Kart Double Dash and the two instances of Mario Kart 8. So uh, a forgotten gem to time. Check out Chocobo Racing on the <laughs> PS1. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that's our number five. What's number four? You only get better from here, I imagine. Number four, <laughs> sticking on the theme of just... Buckwild entries into the Final Fantasy world. Dissidia Final Fantasy. Oh, I am I, like, okay, you mean this to be like a funny gimmicky thing, but I no, no. loved Dissidia and Duodesm. I'm, I'm, I am genuine about this. I, I I will tell you, I, okay, 
I guess let's break it down first what it is. So, Graham, yeah. uh-huh. uh, it's, a, it's a fighting game with Final oh. Fantasy characters where they basically said, let's try to translate all the fight scenes from Advent Children into gameplay. And I, that sentence might not mean anything if you don't know Advent <laughs> Children. <laughs> but essentially, it's like anime air combat that's so far like Dragon Ball games were the only ones doing that, I guess. Okay. And... How this one worked was two of your favorite characters from every Final Fantasy game, assuming you enjoy one through ten, are duking it out for reasons. The balance of good versus evil, that's on the balance. And uh, there's, for whatever reason, hours of cutscenes of Sephiroth <laughs> calling Cloud a puppet every damn time he opens his mouth. It's kind of just in their story arc. I don't know why. But it was just kind of, it's hard to explain because it, it was a portable game. It was on the PSP. So it's like a handheld 3D flyabout as well as grind like Tony Hawk on rails, magic rails, combat game with mechanics that I couldn't even explain if I want to. And I'm sure Jesse would have a better handle on it. It's, oh God. I mean, it's just how do you translate it? Um, So in, okay, so it's a 3D arena. So it's not like Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter. Your two characters are moving around like in full circles, third person camera. Uh, okay, you have two sets of, like, well, everyone has their attacks, like any fighting game, but they're divided into two categories. There are bravery attacks and hit point attacks. So everyone starts off with a bravery number that can go up or down. The more damage you do to someone, their bravery goes down and yours goes up. When you use a hit point attack, you do as much damage as like, you spend your bravery, and that's the damage you do in the hit point attack. So what this means is a lot of the combat that you're doing in this game is not actually doing any damage, but it's sort of like fighting for position. You're attacking quickly and trying not to get attacked in return and trying to isolate a character and drain their bravery and get yours up and wait for that perfect moment to use your hit point attack to then channel it all into that one strike you need to hit them to do damage. That's the that, that is the very rough takeaway of it. And it's full of Final Fantasy stuff. Like you can equip weapons and armor and stuff that increase your stats and affect your numbers. And certain things make magic attacks better and certain things make physical attacks better. But at the end of the day, it's this joust. Okay, so and just so we're all on the same page here. Shaggy, you had said that it was like two characters from each game. It was like a a hero and a villain from every title, one through ten, basically. You only fight between characters in the same game, or can, like, Kefka fight Squall? Oh, yeah. Like, that was just narrative, because they had to have, like, good team running towards evil team in, like, a face-off where they all, like, lined up perfectly for who fights who. But it's it's just all out, like, you know, there there was, like, story modes, arcade modes, um, and, like, little challenge modes, I remember, which, like, you gotta do these five things. With with fighting games, there's always like a story in the background, or there usually is. You don't really, if you're a casual player, you don't necessarily know it because you're just concentrating on button mashing and, and fighting the, the different characters against each other. Is there a story that explains why all these disparate characters are, are fighting each other? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> as best as it can justify it, sure. To, to the point of exhaustion where... Like, every character's what you'd call an arcade mode in another fighting game. Like, the mode where you pick one guy and then fight five or six other guys and then the boss. Each one of those sort of rehashes, like, the tale, like, the character development part of the story from their game. 
But then once you clear that for all the characters, then you get the Final Fantasy style, but sudden twist. Here's what's really going on. And it escalates and escalates. And like, like Shaggy was saying, there's hours of dialogue of these characters. And I'm so moody. Why am I here? What does this mean? You're just and a then, puppet. Yeah, and then you find like records and you, you break it all down. And it turns out that Dissidia is a direct sequel to Final Fantasy One. <laughs> and all the stuff that's happening is tied into that time loop I was talking about before. And like they, it's the last scene of the game is all the characters, like you've solved the evil mystery. It would take this entire podcast to explain. You'd solved it. All the characters go back to their worlds, except for the guy from Final Fantasy One who like you know smiles with a job well done and walks up this hill and the camera follows him up and it's the splash page it's the title screen of Final Fantasy 1 like it's of like him returning home and all the pieces come together i had a huge like come to jesus moment with this <laughs> and, like, on a subway in toronto <laughs> Like, oh my god, I understand what this all means now. Like they put it's because it's square, because it's Final Fantasy. They put a ton of an insane amount of effort into this. Really far too much. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, I feel like I, I have a better grasp on this all now. But yeah, it was a blast to play. It was so much fun. It was such a cool combat system. And, I played and, the hell out of it. And what's interesting was there was the original one, which was just called The City of Final Fantasy. There was a sequel that was kind of like more of a pseudo expansion because it was like a lot of the same mechanics, a lot of new characters. Like they added like um, 11 through 13, I believe. Like there was even like MMO characters like Lollafell or whatever, just like random little yeah, animals. Yeah, Toto. And they doubled back and added more characters from other games. They added yeah, like Tifa two from seven, 7 and like another from here and there. Yeah, so the, from 4. Definitely like picking popular choices, I guess, or something like that to like fill out the roster. Um, and then a third one came out that was both in arcades, and I'm not sure if the arcade one was called NT, but it the was, PlayStation yeah. one was, yeah. And uh, a fun little story: I, I got to play Dissidia NT in Tokyo at an arcade machine, and I had to pay to play the tutorial. And once the <laughs> tutorial was over, you had to pay to play again if you wanted to play someone online. Oof, so oh, I just man. didn't. <laughs> because <laughs> like to- tokyo like japan arcades are all about you get those cards that save your stats you, you know you, we we have that experience from the uh f-zero machine that we used to play all the time that's like everywhere that that type of system where like your uh uh your initial d car stats are saved your uh your strategy attack battle game alice in wonderland game stats are saved and your fighting game stats are saved as you like travel to different arcades it's all on, on swipe cards and I just didn't want more crap in my wallet. <laughs> Man, here you're lucky to find an arcade. Never mind traveling with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not going to find any Dissidia arcade machines outside of Japan, I think. Maybe not. It is very eclectic. And it's it's very weird because it was 3v3. Uh, again, like magic rail grinding Tony Hawk fighting with people around the world. <laughs> All funny. right, Shaggy. <laughs> Should we hear your number three? We can. This is where I'm starting to feel like maybe I got a little too trolly, but tried to justify it. <laughs> okay. So brace yourselves. This this is going to offend my listeners uh, really quickly, but I, I can turn this turn this ship around. Number three, Secret of Mana. Now wait, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I know what you're thinking. You're like Shaggy. Why are you trying to kill our credibility on this on this list show? How could you possibly call Secret of Mana, aka Second Densetsu Two, aka Holy Sword Legend, a Final Fantasy game? Well, I have two reasons. 
Reason one, Square did it first. So the original 1991 Mana game, Sekin Densetsu, for the Game Boy, when it was brought over to the West, it got rebranded as Final Fantasy Adventure. And this is probably out of fear that people like, you know, were only, the West was only so into like JRPGs, that, like all these new brands and franchises, they couldn't handle it. If they so wanted to like, capitalize on the name, for sure. Yeah, so they're like, what's this holy sword? What's this second densetsu? What's a mana? Like that, they didn't want any of that. Okay. Now, reason two why I trollishly count Secret of Mana as a Final Fantasy game is there is a Moogle village in the game. And as we all know, Moogles are almost like the mascot of Final Fantasy. Why would they appear in a different franchise? That's a wild idea. <laughs> And as all Final Fantasy fans know, if there is a Moogle in your game, then it's a Final Fantasy. And I rest my case. That's a tough sell, my friend. I I will fight everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this. Well, let's we let's circle back to that before we hit the validity of it. I mean, like this is not the first time on this podcast you've mentioned your ardor for Secret of Mana. Tell us a little bit about Secret of Mana. It's it's hard to explain. It's it's kind of like the encompassing of the joys of childhood as a game. And I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Because like, and I've probably said this before, there's so many little things are just so charming and like childlike, like the health system again is like you, it's not potions and like elixirs, it's candies and chocolate. And as a kid, that's like, that brings you back from falling down. If someone gives you a chocolate bar <laughs> and it's like, there's a charm. To that. <laughs> and there, there's kind of a charm to it. There's like the world is so colorful and candy like in its visuals. It's the music. Oh my God. The music is just, it's so. Uh, I, I remember I, I found this website that does, um, it might've been like overclock remix or something like that, but they did things where they take the chip sets of games and make new music out of it. And they took all like the sounds, the soundboards of, of uh, secret of mana and made new songs, but it still felt so familiar because all the, the types of, you know, synth keyboards and things they use was like that's that's this is just more mana i'm loving this and like you travel by being shot out of a cannon and fly in the air and you just land on the ground somewhere else it's just very happy-go-lucky but then there's also like plot twists and stuff like a final fantasy and then tech shows up at the latter half so there you go it's got all the story beats of a final fantasy game <laughs> it does have a lot of the story beats i buy that argument more than the moogle village one frankly it is it does feel very familiar <laughs> I'm, I mean, considering you're you're going into interesting territory to pull this game onto this list, and and considering your love of the game, I'm kind of surprised it's only number three. Because I, I feel like you guys would like disown me if I said it was number one. <laughs> oh, we disowned you ages ago. <laughs> Never be allowed back to make up a list I know very little about. <laughs> I grant you, Secret of Mana is is a ton of fun, and I I do buy the. Like it's thematically similar, and mm-hmm. it's by the same company. I mm-hmm. mean, not having the words "Final Fantasy" in the title does hurt it a little. <laughs> does strike points against it, but again, it's a game that never really had a, a brand because it never knew what to call itself. So it hid in the under the glory of another title until I mean, technically, it. it's at least in North America, it's the sequel to a Final Fantasy game. That's got to count for something. There you go. As far as we know. 
And I guess, I mean, it's got an overworld. It, you know, it's got like a separate... From, yeah, no, because in addition to the overworld, like, you don't go into a combat view or anything, but you also have the... like you like, It's flammy in this game. It's not an airship. It's a dragon you ride, but it still mm. sort of zooms out and you fly around the map. That's very Final Fantasy. And hey, all like, the base- it, it early on went to like more real-time combat as an action RPG with RPG elements, definitely, which now Final Fantasy is doing a lot more of. So yeah, though though leading the real way, news, though right, it was <laughs> it was real time until you needed to do anything besides attack, and then and especially because this was a game you could play with up to two other people simultaneously. Oh yeah, spent a, a lot of time playing this game, like waiting for the other players to like work their way through their wheel menus, <laughs> <laughs> like a proper tabletop RPG experience, I guess. Yeah, I, just, I mean, I get it. It was 1993. It like they hadn't worked out all the mechanics yet, but it's like I mean, it wasn't quite real time. Yeah, but it was closer to a Zelda than say a Chrono Trigger. Yeah, no, that's that's a good comparison, actually. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm I'm not actually going to fight anyone on whether it's a Final Fantasy game or not. I know it's not, but I just want to talk about it if I get a chance. <laughs> <laughs> just can't you guys give me a chance to talk about Secret of Mana? <laughs> well, I mean. And if you if people want to play it, you, it's readily available on the SNES Classic as uh, Shaggy predicted and wished for. <laughs> Maybe that's why. But I it's keep also it up. like it, it is out there. Like there are mobile versions of it out there. There's a remake sure a which PC you shouldn't version. play. Yeah. Oh yeah, but I never the, tried the remake. Is it is it no good? I heard I heard it's not very good. However, I heard they re-released the third one and remade it at like the same time. Second Setsu three. Or I guess Trials of Mana, they're calling it? Right, yeah. It's different games, same sort of series. Yeah. And that one was yeah. interesting because there were six characters to pick from. And they all actually had different starting points in the plot. And, like, all the stories converge eventually, of course. It's not, like, a whole separate game. But it's, like, kind of like, um, uh, what was it? What was the that one that came out that was, like, a throwback? It was, like, a Square Enix. Oh, uh, Octopath. Octo, yeah. Kind of like how it's sort of different paths, but they all just kind of merge eventually. So, like, they kind of did that in the Secret of Mana 3, technically. Laying a lot of ground, the Secret of Mana series is. It's, it's almost like a test ground for Square to like mess around outside the main franchises that were popular. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> okay, so what's after that? What is number two? Oh, God, if you hated that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel bad now. <laughs> but but I'm going to... Crazy Taxi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> If I could justify that, I would be on every one of your episodes. Nah, I'm not gonna <laughs> I do miss Crazy Taxi, but no, please continue. <laughs> I do miss riding a taxi, but there's one place that's also fun to be in the ring. Erica's God Bless the Ring, Square Enix's <laughs> fighting game. That was that more does like count. A- <laughs> And I will justify why. Now, I know what y'all are thinking. You know, Shaggy, you've done it again. You should have seen this coming. <laughs> No, what everybody's thinking is, what? How do you pronounce Ergeiz? This is what? Well, E-H-R-G-E-I-Z, e- right? E- wait, E-H. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it sounds like it's spelled. And when you boot up the game, this guy kind of goes, Ergeiz. And you're like, oh, what was it? Hmm? What was that? <laughs> but he doesn't say it again, so you just have to like restart the system if you need help. <laughs> but what this was, so as opposed to um, the kind of like ingenuity and stuff thrown into um the Cydia. this was more of like your ps1 era 3d fighting game however it was a bit more um kind of like arena based kind of like if you ever played power stones on 
uh, Dreamcast because it wasn't just like you're stuck on a straight line fighting a guy or you're like Tekken orbiting around the other person. You could just run all over the place, go upstairs, go downstairs, have a good time. That was the Erica's way. God bless the ring, as the subtitle says. Um, and it's maybe rose tinted glasses. Maybe I'm thinking back that it was better than it was because <laughs> I have watched people like <laughs> retrospect looking at being like, oh, my God, the menu sound effects are so annoying. And that's true. Because every, every time you move the cursor, it went, but, but not a dude. It was like a sound effect, and it was terrible. And the gameplay was clunky and blah, blah, blah. However, what makes this arguably exactly a Final Fantasy game, which is how I'm going to tie all this together. So you could, while you could play as all the notable nobodies like God Hand and Prince Doza, Claire Andrews, and of course, Wolf Girl Joe, who's this German lady who turns into a wolf thing. What you could also do is unlock basically the majority of Final Fantasy VII's cast, including Cloud Strife, Tifa Lockhart, Sephiroth, Yuffie, Vincent, and Zack. And technically, there's another wolf character. I don't know why there's so many. His name's Django or Django. And he had an alternate skin that looked like Red 13. He's like, he's like the Final Fantasy VII wolf guy. So you could okay. argue that's another Final Fantasy VII character making more than half of the roster of this fighting game Final Fantasy VII characters. And as you know, the rule of Final Fantasy, if more than <laughs> half your cast are Final Fantasy <laughs> characters, it's a Final Fantasy. So that's my I, justification. I feel like uh, this, this is the one time in my life where I'm going to have more esoteric knowledge than you on this one, Shaggy. All because right. my memory of yeah, that is that, yeah, it did have a fighting game in it. You yes. could play it. You could play a fighting game. But there were also the Aragar guys mini games. For, like, there was, I remember playing as like Cloud and Tifa in the race where you run laps. Or you Beach play battle like, mode. <laughs> It was all beach party games, <laughs> and you played like you played reversey basically, mm. like, like, it, like you play like a board game like Go or Othello. I guess it's probably in in the West. I, I, I can always keep it straight, but like this game came with a bunch of bizarre mini games for no reason. It had a whole dungeon crawler hidden in it too, where you played as like either the adventure lady or her dad, and then they like ran around collecting knives. It was a weird game. I'm reading there's also recipe books and wine trading. There was? <laughs> I thought that would be the reason it was on your list, Shaggy. It feels like something I would have done. Maybe there's just too much in that game. The cup runneth over. Well, that's kind of what I'm getting to. It's like the fighting game was the least interesting part about this game. The rest of it was that it took your Final Fantasy VII cast and it dropped them into the weirdest shit that yeah. I have ever played. There was, was it, there was like a flag mode where you have to like run hurdles on the beach. You have to jump over logs. Right. And you yeah. could be like Cloud and Sephiroth, like dueling for the fate of the universe in that mode. And there was also like alternate costumes too. There was like Vincent dressed as a, in his Turk uniform. There was a shirtless Sephiroth, which came way before, you know, uh, Smash Bros. did it. So, yeah, I mean, like, let's face it, like shirtless Sephiroth in Final Fantasy VII weird you know but shirtless <laughs> sephiroth like racing on the beach right? like it, at least it's contextually appropriate <laughs> you've hooked me on this game 
<laughs> this was a weird ass game, man. Like, like this is one of those games that you like. It's it before the internet was really easily accessible. Like you talk to people about it, they wouldn't believe you that it really existed. Yeah. Well, like the only reason I, I still knew it don't existed. <laughs> the only reason I knew existed was like I walk into a blockbuster video, which is you know that sentence doesn't exist anymore. But like I across from the counter behind the glass shelf where you kept all the PS One games, there was this game called and there was all these random ugly characters and smack in the middle is this cloud hanging out. I'm and I'm just like the hell is this game? And there back in the day there was no way of finding out, so you just had to get it. <laughs> You're right. It is an ugly cover. It is pretty bad, but Cloud is there in his classic pose. So, you gotta commit. Is that more or less of a Final Fantasy game than Secret of Mana? I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to hear what the number one is. (laughs) Just as a historical curiosity, though, I 100% endorse this one being on the list. (laughs) Because this is like a public service announcement. To those of you who are just, are you tired of the same old video games? Here is some weird stuff to take a look at. Are you tired of your games making too much sense? Well, (laughs) do we have something for you? Ergays. Ergays. (laughs) Before I get to the number one, you know, I I, I was thinking, do I want to take this trolling even further? Really mess with you guys? But I'm like, no, I, I should probably bring things back to a normal, respectable level. Um, because I, I could have, you know, based on these rules I've been making up this whole episode, I could have very well put Mario Hoops 3-on-3 from the Nintendo DS, the basketball game. Because, yes, it includes Moogle, Ninja, White Mage, Black Mage, and Cactar. And it's oh, also man. actually a really fun basketball game if you've never played it. I, and I don't like sports games. I love Mario Hoops 3-on-3 on the Nintendo DS. Recommend. Okay. Uh, I could have also done like another uh, major killing blow to my credibility and picked the uh, music rhythm games with uh, theater rhythm. Uh, I could have gone the Monopoly oh, yeah. route. I could have Why gone didn't to- you just stop for a sec? Why didn't okay. you put theater rhythm on here? That sounds like it'd be right up your alley. It's Final Fantasy Guitar Hero. True. <laughs> but again, it's songs from like the whole series. And I'm like, I only know five of them. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, I could have also gone the Monopoly route with uh, Fortune Street, if you guys ever played those. It's basically Monopoly with Final Fantasy characters. No, this is news to me. What is... Oh, what is... you got you got to look up the trailers for Fortune Street. The most recent one has a scene of Cloud and Sephiroth. And Sephiroth, like, cuts money out of Cloud. And he has, like, a wad of bills. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it's crazy. Uh... And I, I could have gone even as bad as bringing Kingdom Hearts into this, but I, I didn't want to do that to you guys. So what I'm going to do, my number one, extend you the olive branch, <laughs> an actual numbered, oh yes, a numbered installment. My number one position, Final Fantasy VIII, wait for it, trial version. Why? What is that? <laughs> Why? Here we go. As released on a demo disc included with Squaresoft's 1998 title Brave Fencer Musashi, or it also came included with a Pizza Hut promotion on the Squaresoft 98 Collector CD Volume 2, it is the demo of the much-anticipated Final Fantasy VIII just a couple of months before it actually came out. Now, doesn't seem like that justifies being on a list. A demo. However, what's interesting is the differences between the demo and the final game. 
Because we're okay. going to deepen, deepen the story, deepen the lore. So li- saddle up. Listen to this. <laughs> so it takes place during the Siege of Dolet. Graham, you remember that? Oh, big time. <laughs> but what's interesting is in these differences between the trial and the final game, you know, seven months difference before it was released. Oh, hold on. I got a better line. You call it Dolet. I call it Excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Go so ahead, happy sorry. you interrupted my fourth thought. <laughs> <laughs> so what's interesting is in uh, in in the actual sequence in the game, uh, uh, the three characters you get to play. Uh, it's during the Dolet sequence, which is like a ship invasion of like a town for whatever reason, and it's technically like a final exam for Squall and his friends at their murder school, the the Balum Garden, whatever it's called. No, you and the three characters you play is Squall, Zell, and Selfie. And you're all dressed in your Balam Garden school uniforms, your seed uniforms, and it's like a school exam. But in the trial version, on the other hand, you know, though the story beats and the actions are kind of the same in this sequence, you instead play a Squall, Zell, and Renoa. If you could believe it, Graham. I, I, I'm speechless. Now, she, she was definitely more iconic because she was in the promotions with like the blue outfit and the black hair, and she's like in the windswept and all that good stuff. Everyone recognizes her. Um, but she wasn't actually a part of the party at that point in the true story. So they're just kind of giving you a taste of like the characters you'd see, but they weren't actually like kind of spoiling the events. It was like this weird remix before it was released. What's also interesting, at least to me, <laughs> is everyone is wearing, you know, in the real game, they're cool. Uh, no, in, in this demo, they're wearing their cool, iconic civilian clothes. So like Cloud's got that half jacket with the furry collar and everyone's wearing cool stuff. But in the actual game, they're all wearing school uniforms because this is like a part of a test. And I don't think Square wanted you to know that. They're just like, here comes some friends dressed nice going on boats. <laughs> That's what their thought process was. But not even just in the gameplay, in the CGI cutscenes, these differences were there too. So they actually like rendered out. This is like 1998. Imagine rendering Toy Story or whatever back then. That takes a chunk of time because that's the seven months. So they they had like a completely different cutscene, different uh, events and characters, even though the story was mostly the same in the demo. And that's not like, I mean, they knew after Final Fantasy VII, they knew that the the big money was in those cutscenes, right? They put a lot of effort into them. Well, like I, I remember even, you know, once it was either eight or a different demo disc on like Parasite Eve. I think Parasite Eve just had like a video for Final Fantasy VIII. And it just played like the intro with the opera song or whatever. And even that, like I replayed that so many times because this was like the edge. Like yeah, I know uh, you've, you've showed us videos of like Blizzard stuff at that time. Uh, the Warcraft uh, cutscenes were really impressive. And this was like the other contender to like impressive 3D animatics. And yeah, the Liberty Fatali cutscene at the opening to Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And I guess uh, the only reason I put it on the list is because I just played this demo so many times. <laughs> it's kind of like the, the Jet Set Radio demo that came with like Dreamcast Magazine. I would like run home after school to play that again and again before the game came out. <laughs> but not Final Fantasy VIII proper? Like you didn't... I think I got to like disc three of four. And then we got, went to space. Yeah, I mean, it. that sounds pretty far. But, but so you're saying, do, do you think that the demo spoiled the main game for you? I think the demo was like kind of just a better slice for me because it was just like cutscene, adventure, cool clothes, story. <laughs> I mean, it, it's like put it here. It, it sounds like I'm making fun of you a little, and I'm not. I now go. I it. am. 
I am honestly investigating that I think the Dalit mission might be the strongest part of that game. Mm. Like the final dungeon is also pretty cool, but the like everything from the like it's got a really famous music piece that goes with it it's a really dramatic situation it's i mean like you described the setup like it's, it's this is basically hogwarts for like magical mercenaries but yeah. they're they're coming to the rescue of this this like coastside town in a fairly modern day setting that's under siege and you get this really sort of not world war 2 but like a 20th century war vibe to it yeah, and you know, soldiers move out. Squad A go here, all that jazz, and you, you climb the tower, and the, the, the enemy troops are retreating to here. It's all very intense. It's all very war movie. Uh, and this, and Final Fantasy VIII does a really good job of maintaining that atmosphere, like both through its dialogue and then through the battle scenes. Mm. I think. Like I know you're like the, the, like oh this list the Shaggy list is funny but I think there's an <laughs> argument to be said I think there's a genuine argument to be said that like that demo just t- t- may take the best part of Final Fantasy VIII and the best characters out of it and let you experience it in this forty minute gulp without having to wolf down the rest of the story in that game which is which is, which is fine but it was a hard game to play it. It's you know it it hasn't aged terribly well. It the they they went in way too heavy on the GF cutscenes. What's mm-hmm. a GF cutscene? This is the second time it's come up. The uh, <laughs> GF is their term in this game for like another thing. A constant in Final Fantasy is summoning like monsters or gods or whatever. Like you summon a giant creature to attack your enemies for you. And in like the Super Nintendo games, they would have like a big sprite of Ifrit would appear and you would light fire to people. But then in Final Fantasy VII, they got the idea like, let's make it really cool in 3D. And a couple of super secret ones, like this animation of the monster appearing and attacking was like 40 or 50 seconds long. And everyone said, oh, wow, that's so cool. So for Final Fantasy VIII, they said, okay, let's make the animations like seven or eight minutes long and let's have the player use them all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So you're constantly half pipe and has to shatter it. And then the ice goes everywhere. And you're like, (laughs) yeah. And you, so you watch the same like animate animation for two or three minutes, nine or 10 times in a boss battle. (laughs) And you can't skip it. No, no, of course not. Not only can you not skip it, but early on they add a mini game where basically it's a you bash the square button because the more you press it, the more damage it'll do. But you can't just mash it; you have to press it at exactly the right rhythm. So you spend your young life watching the same clip over and over and over again, and pressing the button not too fast, but not too slow. Over and over. The demo didn't really have any of that. It just had the good parts. It's definitely a vertical slice. And I I do like giving weight to your theory of like, that's why it stood out so much to me. Because it's like, it kind of highlighted what it could have been. Or, you know, the best of what it is. Outside of like, again, the the ballroom dance cutscene. That's memorable. The the sequence when Balam Garden's under attack. And you're like running against a CG cutscene through like a whole battlefield. And that was like memorable. But it's like... The rest of the game just kind of has like weird stuff where it's like now we're we all fell asleep and now we're different characters from the past and now we're all adopted and it's like what's going on and we're in space and it's like it's it just there's something very concrete and like even even if the game started with that sequence it would have worked for me because it's like the demo just starts with like boats approaching 
there's a there's a map some guy's holding and he puts like one of those what what's that plastic layer over it that shows like targets and like yeah he puts the overlay on it and it's got this nice little plastic sound when he does it and it's like you're just in right away because there's no words but you know what's happening well well even before that the opening shot like you see the moon and then it yeah they drove over the moon and and you and then you realize that it's the reflection of the moon on the ocean and then the boats start to come across like it's really it's really cinematic especially for way back then that's not the kind of thing you expect to see in a video game back in those days and like going from seven which had like you know those popeye characters like these like big bulky blocky characters on the same system going to eight and seeing these like kind of fully formed humans doing the action and stuff it was like very it's that also stood out quite a bit so it's it was a very good demo if you went to pizza hut that day it was an experience (laughs) pizza hut is always an experience (laughs) pizza hut we love you give us money um But to, no, I think that's legit, frankly. Like that's I, that's a really good way to experience Final Fantasy VIII. I, I will accept your uh, assessment because I, I, I come onto the show to learn more about myself. <laughs> okay, uh, well, br- brief brief aside to Final Fantasy VIII super fans in the audience: No, Renoa is not Ultimicia. You're insane. Stop it. <laughs> okay. I thought she was just lobbed into her chest for some reason for a while. You, you know who her. you are. Oh god, that wasn't even that was a that was Adele. That wasn't even a different source. No, it's a whole thing. God, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, there's more than one. I wasn't even paying attention. I was just trying <laughs> to play triple triad for God's sake. <laughs> what, one of the like, best in-game card games there ever were. Still is good. <laughs> All right, Jess, do you have any interest in giving us a a quick, actual list? slightly more traditional <laughs> list? A slightly more traditional list, yeah. I mean, like, the the thing about this list is that it most of the time it's going to give you experiences that are guaranteed to be entertaining, and it's <laughs> going to be something you haven't done before. So in no way am I invalidating Shaggy's list. Thank you. Especially the idea of Final Fantasy VIII, the trial version. That's brilliant the more I think about it. <laughs> That's... However... Final Fantasy is known across the world as one of the most popular video game franchises of all time, and it's not because of our guys. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't set the world on fire like uh, we thought it it would. Uh, So I don't know if I even... I mean, I could do a top five list off the top of my head, but I mean, everybody knows Final Fantasy VII because it was the the breakout. Mm. It made video games a bigger deal. Um, this was 1997. I always have trouble remembering. You think it would be easy. Uh, <laughs> this was 1997 on the PlayStation. Uh, this Final Fantasy VII changed the world. We've talked about it on the show before. Its characters have become legendary. It has spawned uh, a, a feature-length film, uh, several anime films, some books, several spin-off games, prequels, and sequels. Um, and now we're getting the Final Fantasy VII remake, which is an entirely new video game game that is retelling that story in a new and interesting way and, and quickly uh, it's just fascinating that it as as a single installment in this huge franchise has had two resurgences like the advent children era and now this like remake era which are like how many years apart that was like 10 12 years ago when was advent children because there was like five six games just coming out for advent children uh, and now we're doing it again <laughs> with like just remaking it and then yeah, so, adding all these like mobile remakes and stuff. 
Final Fantasy VII was 97, and then Advent Children was 2005, mm. which makes sense. I remember we were in college when it came out, and yeah. we disappointed it didn't come out in theaters because <laughs> we don't understand the theater business. But then you had your, like, Dirge of Cerberus, and your Crisis Core, and your Before Crisis, and It's Time for Crisis. Like, there's all these, like, games came out at the same time. Then it went quiet, and now we're back to, like, all these... You know, there's there's like the Fortnite one. There's like the the shooter one coming out on the phones. Yeah, yeah, that's coming out. Uh, there's been a couple mobile versions of it coming out. Integrate the upgrade for Final Fantasy VII remake is a big one. Um, but a lot of things that people are pointing out is that uh, the trailer material for the Final Fantasy VII remake draws a lot of characters from Dirge of Cerberus from the Vincent shooter spinoff game from PlayStation Two. Hmm. So they're like reestablishing that into canon. So maybe we're going back there too. It's a whole big deal. Yeah. That's so. I don't know if that's my number one, but that has to be on the list. Oh, you don't get uh, to put numbers on them. You, you don't have to. Uh, if you want me to, I mean, let me just go through the ones I'm thinking about. I thought very carefully about my list. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, then I'm. Yeah, I would have to call Final Fantasy VII my number one. I mean, like you said, it's everybody loves it, so it's almost like it, you're not cool if you do that. But I do think. <laughs> Like I, I mean, besides the huge impact it's had on the world, like I loved that story growing up. I was at exactly the right age mm. for you know a protagonist who's like just a little older than a teenager, but still kind of insecure, but a super badass. Like that really appealed to me. That hit me at exactly the right time, <laughs> and like just the the showdown quality of heroes and villains in that one still really sticks out to me. That would be my number one for sure. Well, but between uh, you, me, and Graham, if if I actually made a, a real list, seven would be my number one as well, Jesse. So oh just God, look at that. Just great minds, like great hearts. <laughs> just I like to know. <laughs> also on that list, I'd throw up six. Uh, I think a lot of people like six better than seven. I think people are just saying that because they're tired of how hyped seven is. Six is a lot of fun. Um, it was originally released as Final Fantasy III in North America on the Super Nintendo. Um, but it's six. It has since been re-released and, frankly, improved a little bit. The The Nintendo DS release of it actually did had a script tightening up and added some extra dungeons and such. It really made it rad for the game. But it was a fun game. It was less character focused in the, but that's just because there were something like 30 playable characters in this game so the moments weren't quite as you know everybody needed to have the same amount of screen time but it told an interesting sort of fantasy tech story you had sort of a steampunk world but also with magic in it um, and also it introduced the villain Kefka who is a 100% Kefka is what if the Joker was in Final Fantasy <laughs> Uh, that is exactly what the character is. It is Mark Hamill's Joker, but he can also shoot fire from his fingertips because he's a wizard. Uh, he turns out to be the antagonist, and he is a delight. Um, it is fun to play. It is fairly easy to play. It has a lot of depth to it. Uh, you can play like you can put in as much as you want. You can take out as much as you want. A lot of the extra stuff is literally that it's extra stuff if you're interested in this character you can pursue their stuff if you want or you can just stick with the main story and get to kefka's tower and beat the game or you can you know go investigate well what did happen to Locke's girlfriend and do that <laughs> whole jazz so it's it's it, 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 was, it was pretty open and it was a lot of fun that's a good one i would also put up on their final fantasy 10 
Uh, the first one that was voice acted, and because of that, they leaned into a story really heavily. And and I'm a sucker for the love story in this one, and that's not something you'd hear from me very often. <laughs> but like Titus and Yuna are great. That I don't like the battle system in Ten is fine. It had this whole sport mini game called Blitzball, which is basically <laughs> like soccer, but in a like 3D space because it's. Like, a thing they never talk about in Final Fantasy X, but you just accept, is everyone can breathe underwater. They just do. Hmm. And so for this sport, they have these giant stadiums, and they fill it with a giant bubble of water, and these people go into the water and play soccer. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun to play. It's very strategic to play, because it's like it's kind of turn-based, but also just the fiction of it, and like seeing in the animations you know, of these cool athletes playing this weird zero g water sport is a lot of fun the story is a tragedy which is sort of a shortcut to free drama like free you know emotional investment but they play it off really well and and just, i cry at the end frankly <laughs> uh so seven six ten right. uh, we're, we're, we're going downwards on the list we're going one to one two three yeah i guess fourth yeah, my fourth one, I want to say Final Fantasy XV, and that's going to be an unpopular choice. Um, that's a PS4 game. It was originally announced as a spin, like one of the spinoffs of Final Fantasy XIII. That's how long it took to make. <laughs> it was going to uh, be a, it, a battle game, wasn't it? It was going to be a fighter. I thought it was going to be everything. Okay, um, it, it took them like <laughs> it took them eleven years to make, and by the time they released it, they released a prequel movie for it, uh, Final Fantasy XV: Kingsglaive, which we talk about in our Final Fantasy uh, uh, Final Fantasy our video game movies episode. If you haven't listened to it, Sean it Penn. is. Or who's in that one? It is surprisingly good. Sean Bean, Aaron Sean Paul, Bean. Lena Headey. Um, but the reason they released that movie is because like that's all cut content from the game. Like they oh. just could not finish this game, and the game is a mess. It absolutely doesn't play great. The story falls apart partway through. It's it's not awesome. It's uh, they since it came out, they've released DLC and patches to fix it up, and that helps. But the takeaway is like whereas in a lot of Final Fantasy games, you have like a mix match party, like. You know, the crazy cast of characters. There's a strange ninja who never talks to anybody and the delightful little girl who can actually use magic and the brooding knight who has a secret past and a yeti. The, <laughs> in this game, you, you start with, four, with, the, with your party, the four characters, and you stick with them entirely. And it's basically a four-way bromance. It's about these four friends who are at a point in their life where like they're, they're going to be saying goodbye to each other. And they're on their like last road trip. Like this is the last time they're gonna have. And it's Final Fantasy, so it turns into like, you know, apocalyptic saving the world nonsense. Mm. But the four characters in this game are so successfully acted, so well written and so well presented. Just I I love these boys. Uh these these characters are phenomenal. And Final Fantasy, I think the best Final Fantasy comes from its characters and 15. That one category comes out in spades. Um, I loved it. Lots of people didn't. They have very good reasons not to. It is bizarre. Um, <laughs> it is not an awesome game. Oh, great villain, too. Darren DePaul plays Arden Azunia in this game. This is smarmy. That was the villain's bitch. name. I thought it was Darren DePaul is the villain. No, like, Darren DePaul is an extremely talented voice actor. Um, who you've heard in all kinds of stuff without really knowing who he is. 
Uh, he voiced it most recently. He does J. Jonah Jameson in the Spider-Man game in Spider-Man PS4. Oh, okay. He's big guy. Uh, just great villain in 15. <laughs> so my one to four so far, seven, six, 10, uh, 15. And then I need to pick a number five, huh? Secret uh, of mana. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, no, my no, my my number five is Terminator Two. It's going to take me an hour, but I can connect the dots here. Yeah. Okay. So John Connor. Okay. Uh, <laughs> his middle name was Chocobo. It's not talked about a lot. <laughs> uh, it's like we're, we're we're I'm running out of time at this point anyway. My fifth one. I'm probably going to make it Final Fantasy Nine. Um, it's okay. fun. It's lighthearted. It's very fantasy. Like, uh, I think, yeah, it's got Vivi, who's adorable, but also lights things on fire, which really appeals to me. Um, fi- yeah, Final Fantasy IX is cute. Like it's it's still kind of a grown up story, but it's presented like a very fancy cartoon. If it was a movie, Pixar would have made it. <laughs> it's fun to play. It's a, it's a fun story. It's very comfortable. Final Fantasy IX is like the it's like the sweatpants that just came out of the dryer of the Final <laughs> Fantasy series. <laughs> Beautiful. That's a very good description. Thank you. Now, now you now, see that? You see that, Graham? You see what Jesse just did there? No. That's how you make a proper list for this. Oh. <laughs> you can learn something from him. No, no. I'll I don't want to stress, sir. This is what I was afraid of when you asked me to make my list. In no, like, well, Secret of Mana, maybe. But the other four, <laughs> the absolutely perfectly valid. All right. Erg is absolutely. Like, is more Final Fantasy than anything else, especially in its insane BS. Yeah. Final Fantasy VIII demo, absolutely. Chocobo Racing, absolutely. It's for sure. That list is possible exception of Secret of Mana. That list is perfectly valid. Okay, thank you. I'll accept that. Before we go, I want to get the outsider's opinion on this. Graham, I know you have played some Final Fantasy games a little. Yes, I played. Uh, um, uh, I played. I don't know how much, but I it felt like a significant chunk of three and or six, depending on uh, when you played it and and where <laughs> you played it. Uh, but technically six. Uh, I I played. I think the first disc of eight at your house, Jess, and that's it. And and I. I don't know why. It just never is that the question? Like why why haven't I connected well, essentially, to Essentially, yeah. Like what about what is it that you don't connect to or like I'm just looking for the others. Like Shaggy and I are obviously very, very involved with this. So surprisingly for how few of them I've played, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a great answer. I mean, I really liked Chrono Trigger and and maybe it's because I played that first and it's it's my first JRPG and and arguably maybe only JRPG and the high bar. It is a high bar, and nothing else quite connected like that did. And I didn't have a, a playstation or a playstation 2 so i was also out of it wasn't easily accessible after the super nintendo yeah yeah like the rpg's platform of choice and i didn't have my own nes i I borrowed one i played uh, one at other people's houses but final fantasy 6 was really the only one i had access to for a long time 
And um, for some reason, I played it. And and at one point, I just stopped and I never picked it up again. And, and I don't know why. And I've got it on the SNES Classic now, so I could go back and finish it up. I just haven't haven't gotten around to it, partly because the SNES classic is a nostalgia machine for me and like a time <laughs> machine. And since I didn't really play final fantasy six that much, it, it doesn't have that same pull on me as a lot of the other games on there. Uh, going back to a time that never existed. Yeah, deep. exactly. <laughs> also like, you know, being an adult, it's a lot harder to get through JRPGs than it used to be. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of grinding and leveling and things like that that just doesn't appeal to me the way it did when I was 10. Though I yeah, have been getting okay. back into, like, Metroidvania-style games, so they're, they're a time. It has nothing to do with this. It was just <laughs> getting back into genres can be fun. That'll have to be a, uh, another list. Top five Top. Metroidvanias? Damn. Yeah. I'm down That's that. big. <laughs> Because none of them are going to be Metroid or Castlevania games. So <laughs> yourself, guys. Yeah, the Metroid <laughs> racing game. Yeah, I can't wait to hear how Secret of Mana is a Metroid game. <laughs> <laughs> all right. In all seriousness, I think that's 10 cool Final Fantasy titles to take a look at, although with varying degrees of availability. Uh, <laughs> So I'm I'm willing to put the Geek Top 5 stamp on that one. Shaggy, thank you so much for, for joining us. That As always, that is a blast. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, there, me. <laughs> I, I know you're usually pretty modest about your stuff. Is there anywhere you wanted to draw anyone's attention to? Uh, mostly anything I do is on Twitter these days. Just go Shaggy Shan on Twitter. Uh, it's honestly just a lot of either photos of food I've made or eaten. <laughs> or both. Yeah. It's all beautiful. <laughs> fair enough well thank you again for joining and while we're giving out thanks uh, i just want to always mention thanks to jamie reum the guy behind our theme song reum is spelled r-e-a-u-m-e he's a local toronto musician uh has done more than just our theme song he does a lot of cool music geek stuff check him out uh jamie underscore reum or jamie reum official on instagram and youtube respectively and finally thank you uh, for tuning in it um I, I know we were leaning towards comic books a little bit for a while there and then you know and we heard like what happened to all the video game stuff so here you go we've been leaning into that a bit uh, like we do this show for you we're doing what you want if you had ideas for things you want us to cover or even just unbelievable final fantasy titles that we didn't mention uh we'd love to hear about it graham how can they get that to us Please email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash geektop5, and we're on Twitter at geektop5. We are only a couple of hours out at the moment. Well, by the time you hear this, it's out. Final Fantasy VII Integrate. It's Final Fantasy VII Remake, but with PS5 graphics and a couple of new chapters that bring back Yuffie. I'm going to be playing it. At the, like, in two hours, but also probably by the time you're listening to this on the off. Well, I mean, it's not that off chance. And if you haven't been able to get your hands on a PS5 yet, 10 other good Final Fantasy titles, all of which that absolutely worth your time. Uh, we'll have plenty to keep you busy until we get a chance to do this again. Until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top 5. We'll talk to you again next week. Stop saying fish. Fucking. Yeah, that's good. Make sure we get that recorded. <laughs> so you're like warm up sentence, like fish, 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 fish. Got to loosen up the lips with a fish, fish. fish.
fucking fish 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 Gig top five. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs>